All right, everybody, welcome in to episode, what is this, episode four of Let's Get It. Yep, yep. Chase and Justin, it's been one of those Mondays for us. We're both very tired, not wanting to give a whole lot today. Both of our teams looked flat yesterday. The Falcons did the Falcons things. Flat's an understatement. Whew. It just, I don't even know what to say for, I mean, it's just one of those, just one of those days for us. We're, we're both tired. We had a frustrating Sunday where both of our teams looked flat and it's, it's going to be a passionate show <laughs> to say the least. I, I texted Justin right after the Bucks game. I said, it's go- it's going to be a passionate show today, and you're going to see it when we start talking Falcons Bucks. Um, I should have started putting stuff in my notes during the game of what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, and because there's so much that I know, and, I'm bound to forget something. That and I know it's I gonna to say. it's gonna come to us once we get started with this. But mm-hmm. um, another talk a little bit about the NBA. I mean Lakers took care of the Rockets. You called it. It was five games. Yeah. I'm, Mike D'Antoni is out. I, I thought it was Houston. too obvious. I don't, I don't know what It, it was total domination. It was. <laughs> it was total domination in game five. The Lakers, Lakers did what I thought that they would do from the beginning. Mm, yeah, exactly. Did, didn't I say it first, first episode? Yep. What? You said five. Five games, and, and it, all it takes is one wake-up call. Yep. It takes the Lakers' wake-up call and sweep from there. Clippers are making it interesting. With the Nuggets, other way around. Nuggets are making it interesting with, with the, the Clippers. Clippers Game yeah. seven tonight. No, tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm pretty yeah. Tomorrow because they Between. played last night. And the Nugget Denver Nuggets actually have a chance of going to the Western Conference Finals. And we'll they didn't talk- even play last night. They played like during the day, just during all the games where no one paid attention. And so a lot, lot to talk about today. So let's get it, Justin. You have the floor. Give me your thoughts on the Falcons. Okay. Um, first and foremost, yeah, I, I, I want to say uh, that this is the Falcons of old. <laughs> it's, it's the same team. <laughs> this is the same exact team. This, this team has not changed at all. This is the same exact Falcons team of old. And it's just ridiculous that we're in year three of... The same exact thing, and I, I, uh, there's a bunch of things I could say. I want to start off with what what the Falcons I think did well though. I think, um, I want to praise Thomas Dimitrov actually. I think his off season signings were actually solid. He did good on Dante Fowler. He did good on the trade with Hayden Hurst, and I was I was I was even looking into their contracts and stuff like that because to me, they, I mean, these players look good enough that I mean, I'd be happy if we had them for more than. One or few years because I know Hayden Hurst on his rookie contract. We have two more years of Hayden Hurst of 2020 and then 2021. Then he has a fifth year option possibility. Dante Fowler has three years under his contract. Um, I like that we have Grady under contract, Dion under contract, and I think I think a lot of these players are 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 building block players and, and very talented players that could easily go on any championship team and be contributors but 
that's it's secondary. <laughs> that's second. But but yeah, exactly. You put all that, and that's what I was about to say. That being said, you put all this capital into into a, a, another receiver, another receiving option into into more offense in Todd Gurley, which I, I'll get into that in a little bit, and then Dante Fowler, which was great because I mean we didn't have any pass rush up, up until yesterday. And you don't do anything with the DBs, and especially after you saw that what happened to the DBs last year. Isaiah Oliver's not good. He's he he, he can't cover. Like he couldn't Press cover. Coverage, yeah, terrible. He it's couldn't. He couldn't do. Loss. Like like if there if if I had a Chihuahua dig a hole in the front yard, he couldn't cover it with with a blanket if he wanted to. Like this man is like he's actual terrible. Like I I just I don't understand and I understand that DK Metcalf is some big strong guy, but he's a second year guy. You're a, you're a third year guy. I'm not sure if that really means anything, but like like DK Metcalf what, stay like, on a receiver. Some, he had some drops yesterday. I mean, he exactly. Even, oh my god. He wasn't oh god. even like just amazing yesterday. And Russell Wilson was exactly Russell yeah. Wilson. Russell I mean, Wilson was was very good. I, I can't. I'm not taking anything away from Russell to, Wilson. He missed four. He was 31 to 35. That's four missed passes. And here's the here's the thing with the Falcons' offense. It has the talent to compete with any defense in the NFL. Exactly. I mean, uh, Julio was. Julio yesterday. Calvin Ridley had a good game. A lot of his yardage. Three one hundred what? Three one hundred yard receivers, yep. including Russell Gage, yep. who was another very big bright spot. Calvin Ridley had a great game. A lot of his yards came late. His two touchdown passes came late when it didn't really matter. But, um, I, yeah, I mean Todd Gurley had a good start to the game. He, I. I know he was probably on a pitch count because he only finished with 14 carries, but I I I think yeah this is a team that can compete with anybody offensively, but mm-hmm. at the same time it's still the same old Falcons offense who can drive but not finish. I don't think they I don't think we saw the punter until like the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I'd honestly forgot that we didn't have Matt Bosher <laughs> until yeah. um, we saw what Sterling Hoffrichter. <laughs> Sterling Hoffrichter come out there. It's but, just um, every single time they move the ball, they get. I mean, it's great for me because Young Hoku is my kicker on fantasy. Yeah, so he's he's I, one of mine too. <laughs> so that's specifically why I got him because of the Falcons' red zone struggles. So. <laughs> You're a hater. <laughs> Did you just make that up? Or are you being serious? <laughs> Dead serious. <laughs> just the fact Dead that you a straight face, dude. I'm mad. <laughs> I'm mad. You know it's true. You know it. They were 0 of 3 on fourth downs. I mean, they go, they get, they get deep into opponents' territory, and then get to third and short every single time. Try and run the ball up the middle. Okay. And then on fourth down, either like what yeah. happened yesterday, ball batted up in the air, or Calvin Ridley or Matt Ryan misses a wide open Calvin Ridley. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. This is how I'm gonna go through. With my analysis, I'm gonna give you. Since you started talking about offense, I'm gonna give you offense, and I'm gonna tell you my problem with the defense, and I'm gonna tell you overall. Yeah. Offense. First, I want to say the offensive line has improved greatly. Jake, Jake Matthews, James Carpenter, Alex Mack, um, Lindstrom, and then McGarry look light years better than they did last year. Especially Lindstrom and McGarry in their second year. 
James Carpenter even looked solid. I didn't see him getting beat that much. To me, the person who got beat the most was probably Jake Matthews. And, um, I mean, to me, to me, I, I mean, he even still he didn't even get beat that much. There's multiple times where you saw Matt Ryan standing perfectly, yeah, perfectly yeah. fine in the in the in the um in the pocket. Yeah, two sacks against Matt Ryan. He really wasn't under any much duress. Um, there's a few of those naked boot boot out plays that you do or you had someone in his face but I that's kind of by design but um I, I I want to say that Hayden Hurst showed up yes of course we had three 100 yard receivers which is, is is amazing but it's not something you want to see that's not something that you should have exactly. to do that's you should we should have I want to see Todd Gurley get involved in the passing game I want to see Todd Gurley get more snaps and and <laughs> And I can't help. I think but, Brian Hill could get more involved in the past. Exactly, I think he could too. And I think I think Ito Smith is um, underrated running between the guards, running between the tackles, running up the middle. I think he he can he has a lot of wiggle and shiftiness that he can he can move around in small spaces like that. But I think I I, I just can't help shake this feeling. And I don't know if it's just me, but to me it's like visible that. Todd Gurley's not the same. He's he I, I don't to me he he just doesn't look like the Rams version of himself. And even though he's had what? He had the injury two Super Bowls ago. It was like what, two weeks, two, three weeks before the Super Bowl. He had injured it. Um didn't really play much of that Super Bowl, had that whole offseason, had that year that he had what, eight hundred yards rushing, had a whole nother off season. And I understand arthritis isn't something that just goes away but I mean it's something that you treat and, and and you would expect to him to to at least look I expected him to look more like him old self his old self and he just he doesn't to me and to me he still looks there's times to me where he still looks limpy and like gimpy and like jittery on his legs like there was there was a run in the in the first half where I remember he had like he had ran up it was a handoff like I think it was shotgun. Matt Ryan turned to hand it off to his right. He goes straight up the middle, like bounces off to the right, and ends up going out of bounds. And when he went out of bounds, he's like hopping around and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. He just, to me, he doesn't look like he's full speed. Whenever he sees a hole, he's not, he he's not bursting through it or exploding. There's a few times where, to me, he was rather than trying to cut up field, he was trying to stretch things and just beat guys to the edge with speed. Like, I just. To me, he's not 100% the same, even though I think an 85, 80% Todd Gurley is better than a lot of running backs. I I, I just can't help but feeling we've gotten um, kind of like a resale value of Todd Gurley, not a 100%. He's clearly on a pitch count. Yes. He got One, 14 carries So yesterday, obviously on a pitch and count. And most of those carries were early. And he started the game... Six carries, 36 yards, and he finishes the game eight carries for 20 yards. I I think he, yeah, like I said, he's clearly on a pitch count. He's going to get 15, probably no more than 20 carries a game. Mm-mm. And he was almost non-existent in the second half. He was non-existent in the passing game. And that was the thing that surprised me the most because Todd Gurley has been one of those backs that has been always known as a guy who is used for both. Oh, yeah. They, they can use them, like you said in the past game, they can use them on a screen. I, it's almost like they used – for him, it's like they used yesterday as a preseason game. Like he got yeah. carries in the first half, 
But again, non-existent in the second half. It was almost all Brian. I mean, Hill's it's second like half. his first ten carries were on the first two drives. It, and and I, I can't I can't yeah I can't be one hundred percent like judgmental yet because we did go down big, so it's not like you're gonna be running the ball a lot in that scenario. But once again, like I said, he's he's a guy who I think would be great in the passing game, even then. Because, I mean, second half, it seemed like it was almost fully Brian Hill to me. Three, three receivers over 100 yards. <clears throat> I think that's a good thing, yes. And Russell Gage was a very pleasant surprise. But I think the Falcons need to spread the ball around more. Yeah. You have... I don't think that they can get away hmm. with. And that's what I was going to say. I think Hayden Hurst was a really great bright spot, and he looked great and, and, and fantastic, honestly. He's, he's really fast. He made acrobatic catches a few times, and um, he only really had three, tar- three catches on five targets. Uh, yeah, I think, he's, I think this offense can be a lot like the offense we went to the Super Bowl with where you have a, a lot of guys – getting receptions and, and catches and stuff like that, it, even down to people, what, fifth fifth into our receiver chart. You, when you have Omalade Zacchaeus and and people like him and, and um, the return of Brian Powell, Brandon Powell. I don't want to mess it up. Brandon Powell, yeah. But I think, yeah, overall on the offense, offense I think is something there's there's – Things that we can fix on the offense, but to me, those things are fixable at least. The offense, to me, uh, it's it's really just got to... Very encouraging on offense. Yeah, very encouraging, yeah. It, it, it's just got to finish. You have to finish. You get you get past the 50-yard marker every time, and you end up stalling out, having to go for it on fourth down, having to kick long field goals and stuff like that. And, and that's, just, that's just finishing. And... There's well, not really, there's not much to, years. yeah, exactly. There's not, it, I mean, I think it's been an off, an off problem for three years. It's, there's been times where it looks good, where you're like, okay, like, like, like the second half of last season, it, we were, we were finishing drives. We were getting into there. We, cause I remember, I mean, of course, it's exactly what happened the last two seasons. You start off one and whatever. We start off terrible with our record in the second half of the season. They look light years better. They're finishing drives. Defense is playing, blah, 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 blah. I think that the offense has at least, rather than looking stagnant during the first half of the season like the offense looked has, has looked the past two years, it looked like they started off stronger to me. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's just finishing. And I think that comes down to, one, play calling, two, effort, and just and just. Execution. Nothing needs to change when you get into the red zone. Exactly. Nothing needs to change. You don't need to try any end arounds with Calvin Ridley. Yeah, Calvin Ridley. You don't need to um, continue to run the ball up the middle on third and short. I I think it's simple. It's simple. Mm -hmm. You roll Matt Ryan out, maybe like a play action bootleg, right, and then hit him. With Hayden Hurst or any receiver, exactly. I mean, it, exactly. it's it's it just seems so simple. Once, once it just seems it it, it just Teams seems like they get Falcons they was. overcomplicate things as soon dirt cutter as soon as we hit the fifty yard line. It's like he just it, things get overcomplicated rather than just 
running the ball on a normal thing. He'd rather he'd rather do a draw play or something like that rather than just giving a short pass. He'd rather have a play action screen. Like just just do a short pass. Give us a slant or 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 just do this or or just do a run off to the right. Like get the yards rather than trying to set up for later things. And I think that's a lot of what it is is like he's always trying to set up for something else big and rather than just getting the first down. And I, I think, but yeah, on, on the offense, I think it just comes down to execution, effort, and play calling. On the defense, <clears throat> the defensive line looked, and the pass rush looked so, so much better. Tack McKinley is playing with a completely new energy. You can tell he's kind of pissed off because the <laughs> Falcons didn't pick up that five-year that fifth-year option, I think that's what he was trying to get at. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what he was trying to do on that first. That I think it was the very first play of the game where he came and sacked Russell Wilson, and you saw him hold up a five. And I think that's the, what he was trying to say. He didn't get his fifth-year option. I think that's what he was trying to. And here's at. the thing: you know, you look at that play and you think, "Oh, it was easy. He ran in untouched." That was a that was a play action where you know he had to stay back. He had to stay and and you know stay back. Stay home, and once he sees Russell Wilson with the ball, mm-hmm. he's able to go and just yeah. Is there, there's there's more thinking it. to it than just yeah. go. And, and so, the fact that he was able to do that, I would like to see him, you know, fight a fight a little bit more off off blockers, <clears throat> like what Dante Fowler was able to do yesterday, what Grady Jarrett was able to do yesterday. But you know, I I think that Falcons fans should definitely take some positivity away from Tack McKinley. Yeah, I think, and 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 I think um, if he has a good season, I would love to actually see him back because right now, besides Dante Fowler and Grady Jarrett, there isn't any other pass rushers on the Falcons defense really. And I would love if I would love 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 if he had a great season and they brought him back. But at the right price, because I th- I tax the type of guy who I feel like um, if he has a good season and the Falcons offer him something like like a five year, not a five year, like like a like a three year, like 12 million or something like that. He's going to be like, I'm worth more than that when he's really not. He's he's showed off one season. But. Besides the point, I think I think Tack looked good. I think Dante Fowler looked good. I think Grady Jarrett is playing out of his mind even more so than before, fighting off two guys on almost half the sacks he got. Like, he is becoming one of the best interior defensive linemen yeah, he's, in the NFL. He's completely imposing his will on, on the game and the offensive line. Linebacker <laughs> Deion Jones looked you know, I think you made a tweet, where's Dion yeah, after the first, first quarter, yeah. but he showed up Yeah, after exactly. That. That's what I was about to say. D- beginning of the game, I was like, where's Dion?" And I think that's part of something else I wanted to talk about is this new personnel group with the Falcons that they're doing on defense. It's like, the Falcons don't, they really only have two starting caliber linebackers, Dion Jones and Foye Aluakon. Therefore, the Falcons play this this nickel package a lot where it seems like it's Isaiah Oliver on the outside, AJ Terrell with Darquez Denard as a um, nickel, 
Then you have hurt yesterday. Yeah, yeah, he did get hurt. Then you have all three safeties on the field with Keanu, Casey, and Ricardo Allen. But Ricardo Allen's playing in a weird type of like safety hybrid spot where he was lined up to Dion a lot of the time, lined up next to Dion. And I'm honestly not a fan of that of Ricardo playing linebacker. I'm not a fan of that at all. I think that's a position group that will need to be addressed after this season is Michael linebacker. Just not, must not be ready. Yeah, exactly. Michael, what, he was drafted third, fourth third round. round. Yeah, third, fourth round. And, I, and and the thing is, like they were showing, once again, showing all these hype videos, talking about Michael Walker this, Michael Walker that, and wasn't, didn't, I don't think he played a snap yesterday. And, and we talked about it, we, we talked a little bit about it last week. The fact that they... They show these highlight videos of Michael Walker and AJ Terrell, and mm-hmm. you know they don't need to. They don't need to show Julio and Calvin and and Grady Jarrett on these highlight videos because everybody already knows that they know what those guys. Exactly. Those guys are ballers. They don't need to. They don't need to show those guys. But what they do need to show, they do need to prove that AJ Terrell wasn't a reach, that Michael Walker wasn't a reach, and. You know, so they're they're gonna hype those guys up mm-hmm. to prove to fans who really never had anything that they were necessarily excited about coming into this year because it just felt like the <clears> same <throat> old thing from the Falcons, and they're watching all of every other team in the NFC South making noise in the off season, and they're just kind of staying put, and you know it. We didn't see anything. We didn't. I don't even know, like you said, if Michael Walker played a snap yesterday. I don't think he did. AJ Terrell, you know, he was okay yesterday, but he AJ Terrell got started beat. off good to me, and then he got beat. Yeah, he started times getting he started getting beat. Quarter. Yeah, as as time went on, he started getting. And I think that was just the fact that they started targeting him more. I think yeah. in the beginning of the game, Darquez Denard was getting targeted nonstop, and you saw him getting exposed. And, and and then <laughs> it, it it was funny because each as as time went on each corner that got tested was getting exposed. It was exactly. <laughs> you saw Darquez Denard in the first in the first like <laughs> four or five catches of the game. He was the corner on the on whoever was catching the ball almost every single time. They were going straight at him. And then right before half, you you see Isaiah Oliver getting picked on fourth down <laughs> straight, literally. Ran DK Metcalf ran straight. You know what that play reminded me of? Second and twenty six, dude. The oh, national championship. Dude. It literally just tossed it straight up to him. Buddy ran straight. Just, it, you know, it just, wasn't just. It wasn't just Isaiah Oliver. It was, you know, I don't know who the safety was. Demonte Casey coming over last second. He in wasn't the, able yep. to go and help. Exactly. It was. Yeah, it was. Isaiah Oliver getting beat from the very beginning because he's unable to play in press coverage. And DeMonte Casey unable to get Make there in time over. to help because he, he bought early on he – came, he came up early yeah, instead of on, – on whatever crossing route was going across yeah. or whatever he thought it was going to be. I guess maybe he thought it was going to be a run or whatever. Isaiah, Isaiah Oliver, to me, it just – made so much like it it was just such a storybook of his career it was like early on in the game probably around the second quarter it, Russell Wilson made his first incompletion after 12 throws and 
it was like a ball that was at DK Metcalf's feet. And, you know, I'll give Isaiah a little bit of credit for, for, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know but exactly what you're talking so about. He was doing so much yeah. showboating after. Yeah, talking about how. But, you yeah. know, I wanted to and just say. I, ooh, oh, I wanted yes. to say, act like you've been there before Isaiah, but I'm like, oh. Well, you haven't been there before, and, 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 and dude, and that's so funny because I literally said the <laughs> same exact thing you when it happened. Been there yeah, it, like literally, like, I just love how we're literally on the same wavelength of, yeah. in our brain. I was on Facetime with my friend, and, I, and as soon as it happened, I was and I was like, "Look how much they hype Isaiah Oliver," and I was I was like, "That's because they know he needs that confidence because they know he's not good." <laughs> it wasn't just <laughs> yeah, exactly. Him, like you said. It was, it's it was like the half the sideline jumped up. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm like, the ball was on the ground. Yeah, exactly. I literally said the same exact thing. I was like, the ball was on the like, like literally on the ground. If Russell Wilson had got it a little bit more up, I, I have no confidence that Isaiah Oliver would have stopped that pass. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, DK, <laughs> that's DK just Metcalf too funny needs to, me. to use a little bit more of his size and you know, kept you know, go yeah. out and get a ball a little. Or bit yeah, more. exactly. Or if, if, if DK Metcalf had even came back to the ball, yeah, I have, I, I really have no confidence that Isaiah Oliver would have made it to that. You know, and the fact is, you know, Dark West. <laughs> Kendall Sheffield is already up in the air. You know, he was out week one. And, and that and was... The thing was, he was already losing that starting job to Isaiah Oliver. Kendall in Sheffield? In the preseason. Yeah. yeah. And that was something that I had seen that was interesting. Because I was looking at... Um, um, I don't know if you know Matthew Tabeek. He was, he's like a guy who's a yeah. reporter for the Falcons. And to me, I mean, honestly, in my opinion... And I say that a lot. I need to stop saying that. But he is damage control that's all he is is damage control because he has his straight from the beak report where people can can send in their questions and their complaints and all he does is say well it's not that bad it's the first game well guys wait well there was this that was good and they did this well yeah yeah i I can't admit exactly and he does this every time and i'm tired of reading his responses and it's just funny to me i just read through his responses and i'm just like this is just a bunch of load of a load of bs like he's just talking just, just to, just to damage control. I wish I could sit here and read through it's them like on the show. It's so annoying, and it, and it's, and it's funny to me because every single person had one thing in common: Isaiah Oliver. He's trash. He can't cover. He can't cover. He cannot cover. Especially in press, he, he can't. He like, he like, he just literally cannot. And then, and then, Tabeek always comes in there talking about. He had seven tackles though, and blah 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 blah. And Isaiah Four Oliver, he's he's tackles. always exactly. He's always uh, Isaiah Oliver always shows up on one stat tackles. And you know why that's bad? Because that means you let the receiver catch the ball in the first place. Yes. If a corner <laughs> is leading you in tackles, and I don't think he was leading the team in tackles, but if a he was second, is up there, he was second on the team in tackles. He was second on the, yes. If, if a corner is top three in tackles, there is a problem. Isaiah Oliver was was second, and AJ Terrell was third. Two of our corners were our top tacklers. The fact is, Kendall Sheffield don't know where he's going to be. Darquez Denard gets hurt yesterday, so they could be without two potential starting corners going up against the Cowboys, who had a pretty decent game yesterday. You know, seemed to blow a lot of opportunities. Must have had some stalled drives, but. Amari Cooper's no joke. Michael Gallup is no joke. C.D. Lamb could beat any of those corners. So I was already nervous about the Cowboys or the Falcons going to the 
to Dallas next week. Even worse. If I'm now. at Dallas, I, I am praying that Dak Prescott is terrible. That you know. You mean if you're Dak a fa- is, if you're a Falcons fan? About Dak, I I've said my I, I said what I said and I stick to it about Dak Prescott. You know, being overrated, the most overrated quarterback in the league, but he is capable of. Um, Taking off and you know go, getting out of the pocket, you know, just like what Russell Wilson was doing. He's he's quick enough on his feet to do that. He he has the playmakers. He has Zeke to be able to you know take some pressure off of him, and that is not what the Falcons. That does not work in their favor, because Mm-mm. you know having a quarterback that is able to extend plays. Will screw the Falcons over Dude, because the, they can't cover. And and as soon as things start getting extended, that's even worse because the, then you really have no idea where the receivers are going. When you're playing a guy like Russell Wilson or guys that can, you know, move on their feet and extend plays, or specific, or a guy like Drew Brees who gets the ball out in two and a half seconds, where a guy doesn't have enough time to you know, get to the quarterback, then I pray for that Falcon secondary. I do too. Because not sure um, it's they're terrible. It's it's and I think I think and it's only gonna get uh, worse I, to me. It, it, I think um Keanu's not coming back after this I think what I'm pretty sure this is his last year He's under four his contract. Games in the past two years. I'm pretty sure this is his last year under his contract, if I remember right, because I was looking at him earlier, and I just I don't see him coming back. I, I loved Keanu, and he was he was great in his first two years. He was amazing, and I and I loved it. He was he was a top safety to me, and he yeah. looked like he was gonna be that for a while. But when you have two huge injuries like that, I, I got I got to see him look really good this year. And that kind of and, and and like I do have like a somber tone because that kind of does make me sad because I actually mess with Tiano and he just hasn't come back for real <laughs> since the Super Bowl year. My God, Isaiah Oliver and AJ Terrell. Two, <laughs> <laughs> two and, AJ and Terrell, three. AJ Terrell had the most solo tackles. Yep. My God, that you when two of your three corner or when. Two corners are in the top three in tackles. You know you had a bad day on defense. Mm-hmm. Okay, give me give me something positive that you took from this game yesterday. Um, that goes back to what I was going to say, tie in my overalls. Something positive. On both sides of the line, the Falcons have improved greatly. Offensive line and defensive line. I cannot take that away from either side. They they did exactly what they needed to, and I don't want them to change anything with what they did on those on in the terms of that. Negatives. DBs. Just cover. Figure out how to cover. Learn how to cover. And and I wouldn't even say DBs. I I, I would say there was a few times where I thought Deion Jones looked lost in the middle of the field when where I thought he was supposed to be covering somebody. Maybe on 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 the tight end or like on the play where um 
I think it was Disley or 88. I forget who 88 is on. I think I think that's who it was. Yeah, Disley, who had... No, it was Olsen. It was actually Greg Olsen. He got a touchdown. Um, there was that play in the end zone where he he, paid, he got it in there, and I thought maybe Dion should have been a little bit over or should have been in the right place, but I think, yeah, negatives is just fixing coverage. I agree with you on the positive. <laughs> it is a positive that how well the defensive line played yesterday and how well the... Really, the offensive offensive line overall played great yesterday. The negative for me, the secondary as a whole is a given. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the lack of ability to finish. Yeah, on offense. That, that I think it it is an offense that can move the ball down the field very quickly. It can score on anybody, but it is just continuously unable to finish drives. And one one thing I would like I want to say that I would like to see more before we go on to Bucks and Saints is I want to see Falcons even though the offense came out and they looked good to start with, I want to see them use that hurry up more because yeah. it seems like every time that the Falcons get down and they need to use the hurry up they go down the field like that, and they get a touchdown almost every time. And I, I, maybe it's partly because these teams are in prevent defense at the time because they're beating us so bad. But I, I, I can't, I can't help but say like, wow, like look how fast and look how good our offense looks. Good then, just put a few run plays into that and run it the same way. Like, like I would love to see them do a hurry up more. Speaking of, or you mentioned Bucks and Saints. I, I. Look, the Bucks lost thirty-four to twenty-three. They were they had a chance in the fourth quarter to at least make a comeback. We both, you and I, both had the Bucks losing this first weekend. Mm-hmm. What I think the defense played really well as a whole yesterday. What bothered me about what bothered me most about yesterday's game was specifically the end of the second quarter, right as the team was about to go to halftime. It was a 14-7 game, and I think Brady takes a sack on a screenplay that was just broken from the beginning. They were supposed to go a screen over the middle to Rob Gronkowski. It was broken from the beginning. I think that put the ball just outside the 40, or just inside the 40, and they attempt... It was probably like a 53, 54-yard field goal. And I hated this call. It's not that I didn't trust Ryan Suckup, who the fact that the Bucks kicker made more than two kicks and missed only one was a win for me based on the fact that <laughs> Y'all's kickers have been the Matt trash. Bryant curse has just ruined yeah. our kickers since 2009. I hated, I hated that because I think that they what I wanted – was for them to kick or punt the ball, try and pin them deep into their own territory. At worst, touchback, they start at the 20. Instead, they block the kick and get the ball at the 50. That leads to a fourth and short where um, Vita Vea on fourth and two you know coming out coming out of the two minute warning 
that the New Orleans Saints are going to try and hard count and draw you off sides. <coughs> Vita Vea jumps off sides. And there were at least two or three offside penalties on the Bucks defensive line, and it just made me want to pull my hair out because that is just the most undisciplined penalty, and there's no excuse when you're playing in an empty stadium <laughs> to, to jump off sides. Be jumping off sides. That's funny. All That's you true. have to do is watch the ball and wait for the snap, especially on fourth and two. You had stopped Alvin Kamara all game long. And what was frustrating about the Bucks stopping, because that led to another touchdown. That led, no, it led to a field goal. So they went ahead 17-7 to at halftime. And, you know, it was just the penalty. And it was just, it just was like a lack, it was like a lack of discipline that killed the Bucks. To, and, to, I think what killed the Bucks was just losing in the turnover margin. Just three turnovers. Yeah, three turnovers, and then one of them going for a touchdown. That and I thought the defense played really. Defense held them to 280 total yards of offense. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, especially in a Drew Brees offense, that's ridiculous. He held Kamara to 16 yards on the ground, and then. Receiving Michael Thomas, 17 yards. Emmanuel Sanders, 15 yards. Their best receiver was Jared Cook. And I think that's just because that's the 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 only dude that was open. That's the most infuriating thing personally. Exactly. I had Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders (laughs) starting for me on fantasy football. I think I have Michael Thomas starting for my teams too. Who gets all the points, and I lose because Michael Thomas gets me five points. I lost because your dude, Gronkowski. Seemed like he was on a snap count, but getting back to the game, <laughs> offensively, you know, it's like I said, it's Ronald Jones played pretty well yesterday. He had his moments, but the fact, I just, to me, he's not a starting running back in the NFL. He's this not. This is year three. I see F- Fournette still, passing him very soon. That's the thing is. Fournette played a week and a half. He was signed a week and a half ago, and you can tell in some of the play situate play, in some of the plays that he was in yesterday. He is not one hundred percent knowing and what's going what he's on. Doing yeah, a lot exactly. Of the time. And he's gonna. I mean, it's only gonna get better. He. I mean, it's only. It's only going to get better. He had five carries for five yards. And I think he had a catch. But Ronald... And I wanted to see a little bit more of LaShawn McCoy. But what really got me was on third down... I want to say it was around the third quarter. Brady gets sacked. And I look and I see LaShawn McCoy is the blocking running back on that (laughs) play. LaShawn McCoy is probably the worst... Never been known as a blocker. Run, worst pass blocking running back on the roster, and that's who you put in specifically to block for Brady. And he mm-hmm. completely whiffed and missed his guy, and that ultimately cost the Bucks on that drive. Um, Mike Evans, 
I really don't even think he should have played yesterday. He didn't practice all week. He, you know, I think the first the first Brady interception was on him, was on Mike Evans. Troy Aikman broke it down. It looked like Mike Evans just, I don't want to say gave up on the route. I just yeah. think it was a lack of communication <laughs> on it. Yeah, I mean, looking at it, I don't know. That's that's why whenever you said that, whenever we were first talking about it before the show, whenever you said like a miscommunication, I was like, I don't know. It looked like dude kind of just stopped whenever I looked at it. And I'm not going to say he gave up on the play because, you know, it didn't look like that. It just looked like he was, it was just a miscommunication on that interception. And to me, it looks like, it yesterday looked like a mixture of frustration for you know, with his injury, frustration with, you know, maybe he doesn't have that connection with Tom Brady yet. But it looked like they showed a close-up on him, and it looks like Chris Godwin is just more comfortable with Brady already. It looks like Mike Evans is not comfortable with Tom Brady yet. Yeah, I, I think, and I, I do think part of it is the fact he that kinda he, looks he was, yeah, he was kind of, <laughs> not yeah, on top of that is just, I think he was a little bit um, injured. Because Brady brings a new intensity. It's no secret that the Bucks have been very unsuccessful the past decade. Yeah. They've had eight of the ten losing of the seasons have been losing seasons. But I, th- um, I think I – think... And Brady comes in with the six Super Bowls, and it's going to change the culture. And – you know, on that interception, he came back and he looked pretty fired up with Mike Evans, and Mike Evans kind of looked like he was about to cry. <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, I don't know if it was the frustration of building up that he and Lattimore do not have a history, or they yeah, have a history yeah, of... Yeah, they do not like each other. They do not like each other. <laughs> and so they got combined into a with his too. injury, combined with not being able to get the ball... Lattimore is his kryptonite. No secret. <laughs> no secret. No cap. No cap. <laughs> Lattimore no cap. is his kryptonite. No and, cap. Um, That's funny. It, it's just a completely frustrating day. I really don't think he should yeah. have been playing anyways. He didn't. To like me, I said, he didn't practice all week. Yeah. There's. There's. There are so there's many. Honestly, not. A lot to say about this game, other than I think turnover margin killed the Buccaneers. Saints defense looked actually very solid. I think Saints defensive defense. line was very good for the Saints yesterday. Yeah, I think Saints defense is going to be Wirth something to um, debut to forget. Cameron Jordan was beating him yeah, left and right. Exactly, and I think I think Saints defense is going to be something to really reckon with. Um, throughout this season and I think yeah they they Saints did what they did um even when they couldn't get their offense to look that great their defense still showed up which is very scary because you know what the Saints offense can do when their defense doesn't show up and then if you if you say that they're both gonna show up then I I don't think there's a lot of people who can beat them it just comes down to what fluke play is gonna happen in the playoffs again but I think, yeah, there's not much to say about this game other than turnover margin. And and you asked me before the show, what what did I think it was? What was the problem with Tom Brady? Was it father time? 
Or what was the other choice that you gave me? Like, I was... Is it September Brady? Yeah, September Brady. Or is it 43-year-old Brady? Um... And I and I told you I didn't. I don't think it's either. I don't. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't. That's think the it's, question that September, was asked by September Brady's. To me, is is a myth. Like, like people a, people go up and down in the beginning. Of, in in people go up and down in their careers in games from game to game. Like like you you really never know what's gonna happen. Sometimes people start off two and two. Some people start off one and three, and and, and that's just how it is. But and then him being 43 it, it to me I wouldn't say it was an age thing because he he didn't look he made beat some up throws yesterday. yeah exactly he didn't look that beat up drive. he didn't look weak armed he didn't he didn't yeah. look like he was weak he didn't look like he was being outplayed just due to physical talent or anything like that I think it's just a new team new receivers a, a new season that's playing in a completely different way where where you don't have a preseason. You had a lot of new guys come on to your team. You, you're he, I wouldn't even say he's fully back used to Gronk yet because I feel like Gronk would have gotten more playing time then. Exactly. But. And here's the thing. I, I was watching this game yesterday and I was so frustrated because I thought, wow, this was a really bad game. Then I look and I really... It wasn't as bad as I thought it was. It wasn't, you know, they definitely had their struggles yesterday. The offense definitely had their struggles. It was by no means a very good day for them. The Bucks' defense was had its moments and really, really adjusted well in the second half, I will say. You know, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was for the Bucks yesterday. And, I, you know, I'm really not worried. I would... I wouldn't I'm be either. Worried. I think I think I'm this is still about, a wild card team. I'm not worried about you know how Tom Brady played. I'm not worried about you know Mike Evans getting you know you know not having a great day yesterday. Not really worried about the offense because again I had them losing yesterday. Uh, most people had them losing the first game. Um. And, yeah, I, to me, um, the biggest thing is the next three weeks, they are at home against Carolina, at Denver, who, which is a game I'm kind of worried about, but the, then they're at Chicago. So, I mean, it's definitely a time where... They can get things going, and it's three very winnable games. And exactly. you know, I, I I agree with you. I don't think it's really either for Tom Brady because he made some big throws yesterday. But um, so I I think he's showing he still has the arm. But at the same time, you know, is yeah, it, it's just a it's a team that played a very good Saints team, one that can definitely be in it at the end, and it's a team that was on the road and yeah still has some things to get to get fixed and you know one thing I failed to mention was special teams when the Saints kicked the ball off from the 50 yard line and you know Mike Edwards goes and tries to field the ball and gets right in the middle of I think it was Mickens Mickens way who is the kickoff returner and they fumble the ball and Saints were able to get a field goal on that you, 
It's it's just the little things for the Bucks. Mental mistakes. I tr- mental mistakes, and one thing I was gonna say is I think it's the best thing that the Bucks lost this game, and they played not great yesterday. In fact, they played pretty poorly yesterday. Not great is an understatement. Um, the fact that they lost this game, I think, is the best thing because I have never seen a team get more hype than the Bucks got this offseason. And I have never seen a team, especially a team that has such a has had a pretty terrible decade last last decade and they have a quarterback who comes in as a six-time Super Bowl champion they bring all of these um, playmakers from his team and guys that have a history of winning combined with the young talent that they have I mean they had so much hype and they showed the world yesterday that yes they can lose yes they can have um, games where they just aren't mm-hmm. in sync exactly. and they're not you know, world they, beaters. They're gonna get. They're gonna get some hate this week. They're gonna get memes on social media showing all the fans, especially with the way that Cam Newton played yesterday. You yeah. Know, all these bandwagon fans going back to New England, and mm-hmm. you know what? Maybe they need that. They need a little bit of a wake up call. Everybody's been patting their back all off season long, and you know it. It's. The schedule already works out in their favor, and I think that this they're gonna get it fixed. Yep, I, I don't. Yeah, Bucks are not a team that are out of it by any stretch of the imagination. It's the first week. Yeah, you but, know you can't you can't make a big deal mm-mm. out of the first week. I think it's a different situation from you know, like uh, I don't know. It's I, I'm not worried. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be either. Okay, moving on. I want. We said we were gonna give our um our. What was it? Shot or shots, shout out? Shout outs and shots, shots fired. fired. Yeah, exactly. Um, of first week in the NFL. Um, I have my first shout out because I don't know. I think we're gonna do this until episode ends and do a little. Say a little thing about basketball yeah. and then move on. So, first shout out Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew looked amazing in his home opener. He looked like someone who who got tired of hearing that his team was tanking for Trevor. Minshew <laughs> mania. Exactly. Yeah, he came out there three touchdowns, nineteen for twenty, and just lit up the Colts defense. Made them look silly, honestly, and. I think that Minshew, Minshew has his flashes, and if he can continue this, it's hard for me to say that I don't think that they will still end up being a team that's top five in draft, or, draft order this coming season. I still think they're probably going to end up being a top five team because they just... Overall, they they they're they're depleted. Their defense it does no longer has all the talent that it used to have. Their their receivers they don't have they don't have a really big huge name receivers. They have DJ Chark. They have uh, Keenan Cole and a few other names. Um, but they they just got rid of Fournette. They just they just don't have the talent to me 
right now. And I think that's why they'll end up in a top five pick. But yeah, I'll have to say that Garner Minshew really did impress. And I think that if he continues like this and can keep his team above water, people will actually consider not replacing him with Trevor Lawrence. Okay, I'm going to go with a rookie on the same team, Jacksonville. I'm going to go with C.J. Henderson. This is a guy had, I believe, his first career uh, interception. He was going up against T.Y. Hilton yesterday. He was one of the better wide receivers in the league, and he held him to just four catches, you know, I for 53 yards. And... Um, yeah, I think he had a really good game. He's going up against Phillip Rivers and the Colts. And it just... Jack Wire's a surprising week one win. You, you yeah. know, it, it's one of those teams where you just... Yeah, like you said, tanking for Trevor and gave away pretty much their entire defense mile, minus Miles Jack. And for him to come out and, you know, as a guy who the Falcons desperately wanted, you know, pot, fans wanted... Thomas Dimitrov to be able to trade up for him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he showed out for the Jags yesterday. Yep. And I think, and I think, uh, I don't want to take anything away from the Jags, but Phil Rivers struggled. And he was, he he's the person who I was going to give. I was, I did tell you that before the show, I was going to give it to Baker Mayfield. But the more I thought about it, I think Baker Mayfield still played a little bit better. It was more of a team loss than a Baker Mayfield loss, 100%. I think, in terms of the Colts, I think it was really a Phillip Rivers loss. He had two picks, and and I think that really killed their team along with um, Marlon Mack going down with his Achilles injury, and just on top of that, the Colts, I, they, they don't have a ton of talent on defense. They have Darius Leonard, and um, Darius Leonard? They have yeah, Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner, people like that. Malik Hooker is straight, and I think they got carved up by a Minshew who was playing inspired. So my shots fired. I'm gonna go with. I don't know if this is cheating or not, but the refs. I had a huge problem with the games that I watched calling pass interference. <laughs> Your shots are at the refs. Yes, NFL because <laughs> just even with the Falcons, the first drive of the game, you know, I, I don't know, I don't remember who the penalty was on. I think it was Ricardo Allen. Oh my God! Oh, I completely forgot about that, dude. That was such a t- 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 once again. I think it was a flop. It was an offensive flop, like just like the Michael Gallup play. And Michael Gallup play with the with the Cowboys. Two, there were two plays in the Bucks Saints game. It was one where I, I want to say it was Lattimore on Mike Evans. Mm-hmm. It was a long play, and, you know, Mike, I don't, it wasn't a penalty. You know, Mike or really just had his hand on him. Just let the boys play. Yeah. And then there was another one. Sean Murphy Bunning was called for it. They called it on Sean Murphy Bunning. If it was on anybody, it was on Jordan Whitehead, who, and, Murphy Bunning comes in, almost makes the interception, but he jumps up in the air, maybe taps him a little bit. But, I mean, come on. Nope. And my, the whole thing with Michael Gallup yesterday, like, 
Jalen Ramsey is one of the biggest receivers he is. He, he, in the NFL. He was not getting pushed by that arm while Michael Gallup is also running full speed down the field trying to track the ball. Like He, he wasn't pushed that hard. It was a flop. It was a flop. He, he waved his arms up in the air. The, the ref saw an extended arm from Michael Gallup, and they saw Jalen Ramsey flinch and wave his arms up in the air. And that's all it took. That's that's really all it took. And I, <clears throat> And that's funny because me and my, my dad had talked about how we think plays like that, like offensive pass interference and then offensive targeting calls should be things that are looked at more often because you see a lot of times where even there was even an instance in the Falcons game where I think it was Russell Gage had lowered his head and then Jamal Adams had hidden, was, hitting him in a helmet to helmet. He was gonna get ejected. For yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, but it, it, it is hard to it's hard to get mad at Jamal Adams because yes, he's lowering he's lowering to go for the for the contact and for for a tackle. But can you really say that he's going for the helmet when Russell Gage also ducked his head all the way down and it? it it's it's something that I think is going to be worth looking at. I think that should be worth looking at for the next two three years because it's been problem, something that's been going on for about two three years. They give the they give the wide receivers way too much. Of they always give them the, the benefit doubt. of the doubt every time. It's I believe corners deserve more of the benefit mm-hmm. of the doubt because they don't know where the ball is going to be going. They don't know. Um, when the receiver is going to stop. So I, the receiver knows the play. The receiver knows where he's supposed to go. But, I mean, it's like you can't even lay a finger on him anymore. Mm-mm. You can't touch him. And it's, it's, it's just frustrating to watch, especially since they took away the being able to challenge the pass interference. Not that it was ever successful last mm-hmm. year. I think it was only successful once, but... My second, oh, are we no, gonna? Go ahead. Oh yeah, I wanted to give my second shout out. My second shout out goes to um, almost mind blank Chase Young. I wanted to give it to Good a rookie. Gosh, yeah, our, dude. Oh my gosh, that Washington, the Washington football team's defense looks ridiculous, and they look ridiculous in their front seven. Is to say it an understatement, and and um, I think a really good comparison. I can't remember who I had heard give it it was someone on good morning football i want to say it was peter schrager had give it a great comparison to the 49ers defense uh, a defense that spent multiple multiple years taking defensive linemen and pass rushers in the first round just like the washington football team they they did jonathan allen some years ago then they got deron Payne also out of alabama then they went and got montrez sweat then they got chase young this year and now they've got, and they got, and you add that to Ryan Kerrigan. That's five defensive linemen and pass rushers that are were were wrecking the Eagles' offensive line. Which I mean is not huge praise because the Eagles' offensive line is not a great offensive line. But at the same time, they're still they they look better than they did last year. This is not something that you 100% expected. They they played decent last year, but to come out and play like this and just destroy Carson Wentz in the way they did. Eight sacks, causing two interceptions. They played amazing, Thank along you. with Chase Young. Thank you for calling it the Washington football team. Yes, yeah. I messed up before the show. I won't lie. I apologize. So I guess that leads to my second shots fired. Carson Wentz. Good gosh. I mean, 
I don't want to say that one man can single-handedly lose you a game, but it was pretty darn close to it yesterday. Yeah. Um, he started off as the one who was winning them the game, and then he ended up being the one that really lost them the game, along with the O-line. He was sacked eight times. Not all on him, but there were a few points in the game where he should have just... Throwing the ball away. I yeah. think he tr- he tries to make too many plays. He doesn't He doesn't know when to give up, which was is something that you see in a lot of these kind of quarterbacks now. It was something that I, I always used to say too. I had a problem with, but you just you got you, there comes to a certain point where it's rather to be neutral than to be negative. You'd rather live to play another down and and still be second and ten rather than being second and. 16 rather than being second and 17 so and or throwing a pick yeah he had two interceptions yesterday just the fact that washington scored 27 unanswered on them yesterday it they had no business losing that game and carson wentz you have you you don't have anything to prove in my opinion you know you he is had his injury a couple years ago. You know, he's come back. He's been pretty decent, but, you know, he, he doesn't need to do too much with it. Mm-hmm. And it was and it was funny to see how fast they called the Eagles offense or um, fans started calling for Jalen Hurts on Twitter is, immediately, almost immediately. Let me just say that team is so lucky that there are no fans in the stands this year. Oh my god. <laughs> Eagle fans would be relentless. Brutal. They are relentless. They are they are some of the worst fans to their players in all of sports. If not the worst. I mean they can turn on you like like that. Like the snap <laughs> we just so snapped fast. our fingers right now. I mean it <laughs> let's just talk about NBA. Yeah. You want to talk about the rake, Rakers, the Lakers and Rockets? Yeah, Lakers Rockets. Um, series went exactly how I predicted it in the first episode. I said, I said it would it would take. It, I I said that it would probably go the same way as the Blazers series that they would win. The Lakers would beat them in five games, and then somewhere it, along the way, that the Rockets would give them a wake up call. It ended up being the very the second game or the first one. First. First one. Yeah, yeah, one first game. game. Yeah, yeah. They ended up being the first game. Rockets came out there looking hot, hitting threes, doing all the stuff that they needed to do. Lakers woke up and decided to shut it down. It, it was really as simple as that. They didn't let them continue hitting those threes. They closed out on the perimeter. They they shut them all on the boards. They didn't let them rebound. They didn't let them get paint points in the paint. Russell Westbrook really was subpar for a majority of the series wasn't wasn't high percentage shooting. James Harden wasn't even high percentage shooting. They Rockets couldn't even their bread and butter of always drawing fouls and getting to the line. The the Lakers were disciplined on defense enough that they weren't going to let them do that. They weren't fouling them all the time. So it was just a complete shutout of the Rockets, honestly. There's not a whole lot to talk about with this with this series specifically. Mike D'Antoni announces, I guess, after or the next day that literally the he's next not morning he's not coming back. Yeah. Um, 
I, I just can't help but feel like this team is the tallest guy is probably six six. James Harden is getting up there, and I've already I've already had my issues with him. You know, is this the end of the Rockets? Yeah, I, did I they miss their window? Is it the end of the Rockets in terms of? Getting do they scrap it to the in terms of getting to the finals? I I'm not sure that they'll ever make it at this point. In terms of being a team that is always competitive every year and in going at least to like like we see here conference semifinals, I think that's a team that they'll they'll continue to do that as long as they have James Harden and Russell Westbrook on the same team. I I don't think you can deny them of that because we've seen Russell Westbrook being his team by himself to the playoffs. We've seen. James Harden, when he had Chris Paul and P.J. Tucker and everyone injured, bring his team to the playoff by himself. So together, I can't deny that they'll at least make it to the playoffs, if not past the first round every year. But I don't doubt that they can make the playoffs. Finals, I, I don't know if they I see them in an, I'm not sure if I see them in another conference finals, especially in the West when you have the Nuggets. You see the Nuggets coming back like this. You have the Clippers. You have the Lakers. You have... Teams like the Mavericks that I think are going to come back next season and be no joke. You have teams like the Jazz and stuff like that that can can scare you, give you a run for your money, even though they, they've been knocked out the first round both years. I, I still – it's just there's too many teams, so I, I don't think they make – I'm not sure if they make it back to another conference finals. And, and I, I, and, it all depends on who they hire. Yeah, I, I think it depends on who they hire, and it was it – was, interesting to see because people started they pulled up a video of uh kobe talking about how this offense plays back what two years ago when chris paul pj tucker and everyone was injured when james harden had that streak where he had like almost a whole month of of 30 point games or 30 30 games of 30 points and um they asked kobe are you a fan of this this type of play he said, he said, in terms of individual stats and winning and keeping your head above water, yes. In terms of winning championships, no. It, it doesn't work. You can't. Kobe needed a Pau Gasol. He needed a. Exactly. You can't, you can't be by yourself. It's exactly. too easy to shut out one guy when you're playing ISO ball with one guy. <laughs> like, the, when you're playing ISO ball with multiple people, it gets a little bit better because you can you can kind of exploit one-on-one matchups and, and get switches off picks and stuff like that. But when you have one dude, all you got to do is double team and, and just trap and, and, and box in one, just, just scheme them out of it. Like, literally, like, you, they can't get past two people every time. And if the rest of your team isn't good enough... Whenever he passes that ball up, whenever he does get doubled, you're in trouble. Kobe needed his Shaq. Michael needed a Scotty and his Dennis and his Horace Grant. <laughs> Isaiah Thomas needed his Bill Lambeer. Exactly. The list goes on. It goes you on. Know, it, it goes on. Magic needed Kareem needed Magic. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> it's, it, it goes on and on. You can't. You can never do this by yourself. Which and, is why. And, this small I, lineup was such a bad idea. Exactly, and then James Harden coming out and saying we're one piece away, and I think it, it's obvious, and he knows that piece has to be a big man, and yeah, and, I, and I'm not sure what big men are are going to be free agents this season that 
are actually yeah, have a yeah. real chance of going to the Rockets. I, I don't want to hear Giannis. I yeah, I, I think I think Giannis stays. I think I, I, we talked about this. Overall, I think Giannis ends up staying with his team, even though I, I do think it will be interesting to see how it plays out. But I feel like it's not as much of a storyline as... It's being made. If up. he entertains it, then it will be a storyline. But if knowing Giannis, he's he's not gonna he's not gonna play with the Bucks and and, and toy back and forth with them. He's gonna let them no, know he is up a free front agent what it after is. twenty after this season. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't shock me if he left Milwaukee. I think it's a matter of when versus if because I don't think he's gonna stay in Milwaukee after that contract runs out. Yeah, but. Yeah, I don't think he's a career Milwaukee player. I don't see that being the case. I want to talk about the Clippers Nuggets before we go. It's no longer, I said this before the show, it's no longer a question of are the Clippers in trouble? It's how much trouble are the Clippers in? And 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 this is why because the Clippers go out and they play like they've already won the championship. To me, they they don't they don't play a hundred percent. They go out and some nights they 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 give half effort. They 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 get lazy on rebounds. They foul too much. They do stuff that is stupid. And it, it's it's like crazy because I don't know who they think they are. They must think they're the Golden State Warriors where they can just go out and and basically slack around all this time until it's real time to turn it on and turn it on. But they can't make threes like the Warriors and they can't turn it on like the Warriors. They were up 17 and were down by four before you even knew it in this in this last game. And it's just ridiculous to me. You have guys like Patrick Beverly still talking mess, filing out in 18 minutes with two points on the board. They have some unlikable players. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's just not a team that I would really. It's just I, I, I don't know. I'm rooting for. Yeah, I don't know. To me, it's not that they're in trouble because. The Nuggets have more talent. Is they're in trouble because they're they're too confident. They're not. They're not. They're they don't have that. I don't want to say they have a don't have a championship mindset because I that would be completely dis discrediting Doc Rivers and yeah. Kawhi Leonard especially. Yeah. But they just as a as a team. As a whole, I won't say all of them have a championship mindset. I think there's a few players that are there kind of like, oh, look, we have Paul George and Kawhi. Like, like I don't really have to do that much. I'll be fine. And I think Patrick Beverly is one of those guys. And Patrick Beverly really gets on my nerves because, like I said, I think I told you I could, I could name you 10, 15 point guards that could do exactly what he does on a nightly basis and not foul out and, and do what he does and more on a nightly basis and not foul out. Like, and, and cause drama and all this trouble. Like, I'll be honest with you, I didn't watch Game 6 or Game 5. But I think that the Clippers are going to win Game 7. And I, I think, yeah, I think the, the talent, Clippers pull the it out just due to come. the fact that it's, they, they know that it's, it's serious now. It's, it's literally... Winner, winner go, winner home. go home. It's <laughs> like quite literally. Life and death. Yeah, exactly. For your playoff finals, for and, your finals chances, and I think and that the Clippers bench knows that, so they'll show up more because what Clippers bench gave. It would not shock me if Game Seven, 
they win by 20 plus. I honestly, because I th- I think they'll show up more. Because yeah. and and it wasn't even I wouldn't even say it was a bad game by Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Paul George gave 33, went nine for 21, which isn't amazing. He went four for nine from three point, which is actually really good. Kawhi Leonard three for five from three point, eight for 18, 25 points. Just no one else really helped. They got 14 points from Lou Will, and no one else was over five points. Five. And and then when you have people like Nikolai Jokic and Jamal Murray, especially Jokic, who, who is very patient and, and knows how to slow down teams like, like the Clippers to force him to play at his pace... I think the Clippers are in are in real trouble, and then especially if Murray gets hot. If Murray gets hot, <laughs> they're in real, real trouble, and that's that's tough for the Clippers. I I, I don't I don't think they're gonna lose this game by any any stretch of the imagination, honestly. But I do think this will be a hard fought game. I think at least at least for three quarters, if if they don't pull it out by the fourth. I think Clippers win. By twenty plus, that is my bold prediction. Yeah. If it's bold, yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty bold, especially with how the Nuggets have played these last three games. Because I think that, I think that they're going to turn it up in Game Seven, yeah. and I think they get this win. Do I still think they're going to the win the finals? Uh, we'll figure yeah, that out exactly, later. Yeah, it depends on how there's been so how much that motivated they play against the Lakers because I think they stand up against the Lakers because they know it's the Lakers they don't I mean so many crazy things have happened in this playoff mm-hmm. it's probably it, a been lot the of series have gone, have gone ways that haven't gone what that you would have thought and the longest a lot of series have gone longer than this what you has been thought. the best NBA playoffs that I have seen in a long time I say it a long time I'm 22 <laughs> but in my yeah. lifetime yeah and because a lot more teams are competitive and actually giving giving runs. Yeah, I don't know who to choose. Yeah, it's hard to choose. Yeah, from series to series, it's yeah. hard to choose who, who you thought was gonna win. I could have, uh, dude. There was a point in the Clippers Mavericks series where I told you the Mavericks would have won that. There was a point in the in the Nuggets Jazz series. They were the Nuggets were down three one. Like, well, guys, that's gonna be the show for today. On let's get it. Um. Tune back with us on Thursday, or we're going to record again on Thursday. We'll probably have it up Friday morning. Uh, Go subscribe to us on YouTube. Let's get it. Uh, Go um, follow us on Spotify, and give us a like and a subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. For Justin, I am Chase. This has been Let's Get It. See you.